Beloved, may we turn to the prophecy of Deuteronomy, and in the 33rd chapter, the 29th verse. Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people, saved by the Lord, the shield of thine house. And who is the sword of thy excellency? This is the parting final declaration of Moses to the children of Israel. It summarizes everything he's ever said to them. It represents the fullness of what God was doing for them. It is a most appropriate text for a Christmas morning sermon. Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people, saved by the Lord. Moses has come to the very end of his own life's ministry. He's already been told by the Lord that it's time for him to come up into the mountain and God's going to take him away. His earthly journey will be finished. Last Lord's Day, I pointed out to you that the last thing that Moses did before he gave his final parting word was to teach them a song. And he believed that if the little ones would learn the message that he had given them in that song, that years later, the very words of that song would be a testimony against them if they dared depart from what God had delivered unto them. Moses then was notified that the time had come for him to meet the Lord and the Lord would take him away. Moses then proceeds to give his parting blessings and he mentions the various tribes beautiful words, and he comes to the final climax, and he says, all Israel, oh Israel, 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 I've led you, I've sacrificed, I've suffered for you, Israel, I'm going to leave you, Israel, the time has come for you to think about your estate and who you are and what God intends to do with you, oh Israel. And Moses says, happy art thou. Who could possibly be like unto you, Israel? No other people, no other nation, no other company that compares to what God has done for you and what God has called you to be in his name. Oh, people. Now, there are three things that are in this text, but before I outline them for you, I want you to notice he says, Oh, people. He wants to reach all of the people of God. He wants all of them to recognize how happy they should be and what a peculiar position God has placed them in. We believe in the unity of the people of God. We believe in the fellowship of the people of God. 
But that fellowship and that unity is in recognizing exactly what God has done for them and in accepting the place in which God has placed us in this world. Oh, people, three things first saved by the Lord. Second, a shield has been given unto you to keep you. And third, a sword has been put in your hand that you may advance and declare the testimony of the Lord. And this is the test. O people saved by the Lord, O people, the Lord is the shield of thine help. O people, the Lord is the sword of thine excellence. The emphasis is first upon the fact that we're a saved people. And the whole testimony of Christmas, everything that relates to the infancy narratives, every person that has anything to do with the coming of Christ, if you read those narratives in Matthew and in Luke, all of them bear testimony that the Redeemer had come, his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from his sins. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And when Mary testifies her faith in that magnificent magnificat, as she bears her soul, she says, My soul doth rejoice in God my Savior. And when Zechariah utters under the guidance of the Spirit of God that magnificent benedictus, and you have these two hymns balancing themselves here in the infancy narratives, Zechariah's first emphasis is that God has redeemed his people Israel. And beloved, the great testimony of Christmas, the meaning of this hour, the glory of this message which we preach is that God has saved us in the coming of his Son and the sacrifice of that Lamb for sin. That is it. And when you turn back through the pages of the book of Deuteronomy, as I've been expounding it to you these last weeks, Moses is constantly telling the children of Israel that God has redeemed them out of Egyptian bondage with a high hand. Miracles, signs, wonders he performed to take them out from under the tyrannical hand of a Pharaoh. By his power he led them across the Red Sea. He brought them to the mount where he gave them the law to be their guide and to be their standard of righteousness. And then when they rebelled and sinned against them, he cared for them and he looked after them. He gave them a pillar of fire by day. He gave them the manna that came down from heaven and the Lord God guided his people. And for 40 long years, he was their care and he was their substance in that wilderness. And Moses is saying, Oh, people, who is there on this earth that the Almighty God has ever done anything like this for? And I ask you today, on this Christmas morn, who is there on the face of this earth 
that the Lord has done what he has done for you and me. Only the redeemed, chosen, elect, sanctified, to be glorified by his power in the coming of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Who is there on the face of this earth that God has done for what he has done for his elect and for those whom he separated from darkness and separated from death and separated from condemnation and give un given unto them the promise and the assurance of everlasting life? And that is the testimony that Moses is impressing upon the people as he parts with them. Oh, happy Israel. Israel, you should sing. Israel, you should sound. Israel, you have everything in all eternity to be grateful for because your God has come down and he has put his hand upon you in blessing and in power. When you turn over to that 28th chapter, turn back to the 28th chapter for just a moment. And in that 28th chapter where he has the enumerations of these blessings that he's going to pronounce upon the children of Israel. Oh, how he, he delights to tell them. Beginning there with verse 3, he says, And all these blessings shall come upon thee. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field, and blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thine kind. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. And the Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Beloved, on this Christmas day, we are the people of God. We are a people who have been called out of this world. We've been called out of its sin. We've been delivered from its confusion. We are a people who have seen a great light. And this is the light that God promised that he would give us, that we might have answers to the problems which plague us, and that we might have deliverance from the consequences of our own evil deeds. There is a place of pardon, and there is a fountain filled with blood, and there is a salvation that belongs to the people of God. And as you turn to the concluding section of this great book of Deuteronomy, Moses is blessed Reuben, and he's blessed Joseph, and he's blessed Judah, and he's blessed Simeon, and he's pronounced the blessings as is the custom. Jacob blessed them, and Moses blessed them, and Abraham blessed them. And here the great patriarch, the great prophet, was getting ready to go, and he says, these are my parting words. These are the things I have to say to the different tribes of Israel. But, oh, Israel, I'm talking about all of you. I bring every single one of you about me in this last final farewell testimony to you and I want to say to you O Israel who is like unto you who is like unto you
I think we should recognize, all of us, that once you are born into the kingdom of God, once you become a child of God, from that moment on you belong to the people of God and you belong with those who are going to maintain the work of God and you're going to maintain the witness to the name of God. We are here as a people united together because we have been born again and we have a work to do. We have a witness to make. We have a calling to fulfill. And this is what God wants us to heed as we come to a great hour like this when we think of the birth of our Redeemer and the fact that he came in that manger. Oh, beloved, when I think about us today, and I'd love to develop this, but I can't, of course, but on every hand the church is turning away from this glory and this beauty and this grandeur of her mission and of her work, and we're getting all this clatter and clamor that has to do with filth and has to do with this old world, with its death and with its darkness, and there's no remedy, there's no answer, there's no power, there's no deliverance to it all. And I was so stirred this past week, and I'm going to have this in my mind for many months to come, when I read in the Wall Street Journal, of all the journals to carry a story like this, the story out in Cleveland, Ohio, where the groups of the churches there in the Cleveland Council of Churches had made the rat the symbol of Christmas. They've made the rat, R-A-T, the symbol of Christmas. And Christmas is the time now when they're emphasizing their social action and they want to make an appeal to the Christian public to be in favor of more welfare payments to the poor so they can get rid of the rats. Beloved, we've turned aside to the things that pertain to this old world in their filth and men don't recognize that the only way to deal with this world in its filth is first to bring redemption and salvation to sinners that they might be cleansed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, Israel, happy art thou what God has done for you. Now, in the second place, we read here the shield of thy help. The Lord is the shield, and the shield, of course, is a weapon of war that you use to protect yourself from assaults and from attacks. First, we're a company that has been redeemed. Second, we're a company that's under assault. We're a company that needs a shield. And the forces of darkness, the forces of hell, the forces of the devil, all the forces of evil are conspired against the people of God. They are against the light to put it out. They're against the witness to truth that it might be destroyed. And the Lord is saying, Oh, Israel, be happy. You have a shield. And this is what our Savior meant when he said, On this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
The church of Christ is the testimony of our Lord to lift up his witness and his word on this earth. The church is ordained of God. And we're a part of the church. We're in the bosom of the church. We are nurtured by the church. And we are a people who must maintain the church on this earth that it may fulfill and obey the commandments which God has laid upon us in the ministry of his blessed word to the people about us. A shield. Oh, thou art our shield and our buckler, our exceeding great reward. That's the way the psalmist put it. And beloved, we're in a fortress. We have a, we have a position and we can't let down the barriers. We can't let the enemy in. He must be kept out. We must be kept clean. We must be kept pure. We must be kept holy. We must be sanctified by the Spirit of God and maintain the work of God in the integrity of the Word itself. What better day than Christmas to speak of these things? What better time than when we're all rejoicing and beloved, we're going to have gifts today and we're going to give gifts. But oh, they're so secondary. We're going to be with our loved ones and we're going to see our children and we're going to look to our parents. But oh, that's so secondary. Yes, we're going to do so many things today and tomorrow, but they're all secondary. The main thing is Christ. The great thing is the testimony which we have to him in his church. That's the great thing. I don't know, I, I feel on every hand today that Christian people put the church second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth. It's nice to be a member. We'll pay our bills. We'll give them a contribution. Oh, yes, it's all right. And I'm for it. I'm a member of it. I go on Christmas and Easter, of course. I, I'm all for this thing. But oh, beloved, that's not what God wants. And that's not what God's asking of you. Oh, Israel, happy art thou, oh, people, who's like unto thee. Look, here's the shield. Here's the protection. Here's what God says he'll give you. And God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you and I'll undertake for you. And that's one thing that, that, that touched so deeply the heart of your pastor the last two days. We asked for $300,000 for this great Korean offering. Today we only have 222000 We lack $78,000. In the last six weeks, your pastor has just slaved my heart, my mind, my everything I've done has been to the end that we would be able to give and to give and to give. And beloved, Christmas doesn't mean anything if you don't give. And don't go home and say, well, I didn't get this and I didn't get that and I wish I'd have gotten this and so-and-so didn't give me as much as they did last year. No, you measure your Christmas not on the basis of what you get, but measure your Christmas on the basis of what you give. Oh, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And the great blessing of Christmas in my soul is that I tried and I've worked and I've done my best and I went to Korea and I'm going to go every year I'm alive. 
They're the orphans. They're the remnants. They're the people. They're our people. They believe like we believe. They're suffering. They know what it is to have communism destroy their homes and run over their lands. They know what it is not to have a comfortable place to sleep. They know what it is to go hungry. And they're our people. And we've got to give. And we've got to take care of them. And I'm just praying that tomorrow and the next day and the next few days, as I've made this great appeal across the land, that the money will come and we'll get the $300,000 and we'll be able to do what we promised and what we wanted to do to our blessed God. Now the third thing in this great text is that the Lord is the sword. Who is the sword of thine excellency? Isn't it interesting? We're a body of people. We're shielded and protected, but God says, no, I'm going to give you a sword. And you must take the initiative. You must go out. You must use this sword. And this is in your hand. And the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. Turn to chapter 29, the 29th verse. Just look at this. Beautiful it is. The secret of the Lord. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. God has said, I've kept some things in my own counsel. I haven't revealed them unto you. But oh, the things that I've revealed unto you, here's my word, here's my revelation, here's all that I've unfolded to you down in this little old earth, this tiny little place on which you dwell, and which will have on it the awful curse because of the fall of man into sin. But my word I've given to you and to your children, and it's to them forever. And you families here today, how happy I am to see you. What a joy, nothing can rejoice the heart of a preacher any more than to see all the families come and sit down. And it's the family tie, it's the covenant which God's made with us as a family. It's this blessed, glorious unity that God wants us to have. And we're here on Christmas Day, united with those who come from distant points to be with us. But, beloved, someday we're going to come from distant points and we'll be united together as a great family about the throne of grace and death will be no more and sorrow will be only a, a memory of the experiences we had down here on this whole earth. And the great company of the redeemed, the families of God, will be united together about the throne of our God because we had a sword, because we had the word, because we went forth to preach this glorious message. And beloved, as I bring this Christmas message to a close this morning, there's one thing that I want to say to this congregation more than anything else. We need to take that sword in our hand. We need to ask God to put that sword in every individual's hand and you be ready to give to any man who asks you a reason for the faith that's in you and why you're a part of this testimony and this movement upon the earth. You need that sword in order to go forth to bear testimony to those about us who are lost, 
men are without Christ, they're without God, they're without hope today. They don't understand preachers when they get up and talk like I'm preaching. All they know is jingle bells and the tinsel that they say and the clatter of the commercial world as it tries to speak up, pick up an extra dollar out of the Christmas business. But beloved, you are the ones, I am the one, we are the ones who must go forth to preach this gospel. And today as we close this message, and tonight I'm going to speak on the subject, one can chase a thousand, two can chase ten thousand, and our need and the need of our church and the need of our movement more than any other thing as I see it today is that God will raise up for us some preachers and some leaders and some men who will believe that all they need to have in their hands is the sword of the Spirit. And that these men will go forth to build upon the foundations which the Lord has laid. And that a hundred years, five hundred years, a thousand years from now, if the Lord tarries, there will still be a continuing witness upon this earth because we didn't break the connection. We didn't break the succession. We didn't destroy the unity. Oh, Israel, you're a happy people. Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people saved by the Lord. He saved us. He shields us. And he has given us his sword to use in advancing the testimony of Christ. Now the choirs will sing for us the Hallelujah Chorus.